On this episode of The Last Thing Podcast, we're going to be talking about Bleeding Edge and Resident Evil 3 Remake. Hello and welcome to another awesome episode of The Last Thing Podcast. Still recording during this time of uh, the coronavirus still going on, the it's COVID-19. It's a pandemic, everybody whatnot. panic. Ah! No, don't panic, don't panic, just chillax and just stay at home. Or stay the fuck home, as we always say to one another. I can't stay home, I need to get more toilet paper, for some reason. <laughs> okay, that panicky voice is, of course, a good old Shafiq, no, my co-host. And you're forgetting, this is Stars Shafiq. <laughs> stars Shafiq, yes. And I'm your host, Mr. Toffee. We're going to be talking about a couple of video games uh, that came out a couple, like a week or so ago, or recently. But for now, let's just cap off with a bit of news before we start. First up on the agenda. The Last of Us Part 2 has been delayed indefinitely, according to Naughty Dogs. I say it was one of the few games that I was really looking forward to this year, and they took that away from you. Damn you, Naughty Dog! The next thing they're going to tell me is that the Uncharted movie is never going to happen. They've been, they've been doing that for years already, so why is this any different? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, but, I mean, are you a fan of The Last of Us? I was okay I with it. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I mean, there were some really weird game things that I can nitpick about. Like, why is Ellie the only character in the game that's undetectable by the zombies, but I am in the same room? Well, if you complete the game, you know that that's a plot point. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, it's a good point. Good point. But, uh, and then as well as like, uh, sometimes when you get, when you kill off certain enemies, uh, one guy you didn't get the kill, he alarms everybody all comes in. You got to start that whole rigmarole again with the fighting. But, I feel that was a really good way to like spice up the difficulty in retrospect after playing it again. So I would say they learned good times. The, good times. Uh, it felt like the best parts of Uncharted three and four uh, now with a zombie theme. So I don't know. I mean, I wasn't really a big fan of The Last of Us. In fact, I didn't really care much for the story, even though everybody kept wailing on about how it's like one of the saddest stories of all time. And like, no, have you not played Final Fantasy seven remake coming soon? Yeah, <laughs> remake coming soon. <laughs> Oh yes, oh man, I can't wait to see how they redo the death of Ares. Uh, put some gore in it. Uh. Here it comes yeah, yeah. off. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Do it like Gears of War style. I'm it? sorry, we're still under NDA. We can't talk about Final Fantasy VII Remake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so we're saving that for the next episode. So tune in, Last King fans. The, the apocalypse hasn't started yet. <laughs> Not until we mm-hmm. review Final Fantasy VII Remake. Huh. Uh, I, just hope that, I just hope that uh, Ghost of Tsushima does not suffer that same logistics fate, considering mm. that it's coming out in June. So who knows? I think right now would be the perfect time to release video games because it's like the general consensus around the world is for everybody to just stay shuttered in and like you know keep yourselves occupied or entertained and work from home and I would think right now it's like it's the best time to hit the back catalog whatever you've been compiling up on Steam all your stockpile games you know time to dust off that old Xbox 360 and finally beat Ninja Gaiden again yeah the last uh, speaking of ninjas the last game I actually did touch was Neo 2 so I figured yeah, that's gonna probably spend. I'm gonna gonna spend like a couple more months playing through most of the game. I'm actually at my fourth boss right now. I think there are sixty <laughs> of them. So yeah, good luck with that. There's for more. Me. There's more for you to do. So yeah, Neo yes. Two, a game we haven't slept on. We're actually still in the process of reviewing because it's kicking our asses. Yeah, a bit <laughs> too much. And then with all the other games coming in as well, it's a bit tough to actually focus on one when we can actually complete the other. You know, so. 
Mm. Maybe we'd like to actually change our focus here and there, so we'll have the Neo 2 review or preview coming up soon enough. It'll definitely pop up during our uh, best of the year lists, I would assume, unless anything definitely. else was going to come up to supplant it. So yeah, Neo 2 review coming soon. Uh, but in sadder news, uh, Xbox Magazine, official Xbox edi- uh, Magazine, or as we all like to call it, OXM, has also gone the way of the dodo and decides to shutter permanently. I think last week was when they finally let go of the last remaining staff. This actually comes at a very inopportune time because we're also on the precipice of like the Xbox Series X being re- released. I mean, I don't know if this is a statement on the state of magazines and publishing in general, or maybe it's also the fact that has Xbox kind of... Uh, dropped off the scene a little bit because it's not really doing so well as a console but Xbox Game Pass is actually probably the best thing to be talking about right now yeah yeah especially around this time when all you gotta be doing is staying at home playing video games why not just play a hundred of them like you mentioned Ninja Gaiden 2 Blinks or Panzer Dragoon or Tau any other <laughs> Xbox game you, you kind of missed out on whatever, back in the day whatever you missed out on the original Xbox right because yes. yeah, I think that's the genius thing about the new Xbox Games Pass is the fact that they are actually leaning in very hard onto that backwards compatibility mm-hmm. and the fact that whatever you like like if you want to play Halo 2 again sure if you want to play the, but I don't think it's the classic one anymore I think it's part of the Master Chief collection it's the remastered version right but I think yeah. it's really weird that this gets shuttered, this magazine is getting shuttered down considering that as long as the Xbox brand is still alive, I think all these official magazines and online portals are going to be around. I'm guessing the online portals are around for this, right? Or is nah, that shuttered too? I think too? it's being shuttered too. I don't think it's an official, uh, I would say, an publication out of Xbox because I think it's Future who is behind it. Yeah, ah, future. Think, okay. Yeah, so it's like I think maybe they saw the writing on the wall and decided like, okay, we're we're not gonna carry on with this because it's like, to me, it feels one or two things: either that nobody's interested in reading online publications that's solely based around one specific console, because like if you think about it, you can go to like twenty other sites like uh, Eurogamer, Polygon, Kotaku, or you know, I mean, tech- or even Future's own PC Gamer, which is still around to this day. Yeah, but like I said, but PC Gamer is definitely targeted towards the PC gaming audience. So it has a very specific voice, whereas Xbox Magazine, right, was, I think, when it came out, probably one of the best resources for what's coming up for the Xbox because they were the, definitely the place to go to get your hands on the exclusives and like you know, all the previews. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Xbox One has been very disappointing for this current console generation. It's not doing the same numbers as the PS4, and both of those are being still dwarfed by the Switch, which just hand <laughs> over fist. Yeah. Nintendo did it again. It's like every two generations, Nintendo's gonna crush. So it's like, yeah. this is probably uh, Sony and Xbox uh, slash Microsoft's time to shine because it's like, if you're paying attention to what's going on in the news, right, everybody's talking about the tech specs that were released. Like, people are making comparisons even though the games haven't officially been announced yet. Which annoys me to hell because it's like yeah, everybody's it's like saying, oh my god, Xbox has way more teraflops, ha ha ha, suck it Sony. And I'm like, yeah, remember this thing called the PS3 where it, is like, it was the, the hardest machine on the planet and it had no games to play for yeah. the first... Meanwhile, people are playing Xbox 360 around that time because of all the games that popped up on that machine. Because of Gears of Wars and Call of Duty and then Classic Wii. Like, if, you're, if you're talking about that era, when it was basically two steps into the HD gaming generation and the Wii is re- still sticking to 480p because nobody's got a HD TV. So I think the only thing we can cap this off with is because uh, we have to wait till 
like the middle of the month, uh, middle of the year, PlayStation and Xbox to showcase what their killer yeah. apps are going to be. We're definitely going to be paying attention to this a lot because it's like, uh, especially nowadays, right? Uh, the future of video games is going to be very much determined by what is the first move from either company. I doubt Nintendo's going to have anything to worry about. I think they're going to do the smart thing. They're going to let the Switch be their workhorse and let it and ride out whatever the two other brands are working on because they were never interested in graphical fidelity or integrating Netflix. I mean, you think about Nintendo is like their modus operandi is like make good games. Yeah. And also, there was the leaks that this would be the year all the Marios get remastered. So that hasn't ah, been yes. confirmed. It's not confirmed, but I'm actually looking forward to playing Galaxy and Galaxy 2 again. Those yeah. are actually my favorite Wii games, so yeah. No, I'm also kind of hyped about the fact that there could be a new Paper Mario. Oh, okay, okay. And it's like, the last Paper Mario outing was like the sticker. I can't remember the... The, uh, the, the 3DS one. I know which one you're talking about. That was... It was uh, fine. Okay. It was fine. I still prefer the Thousand Year Door, the one on the GameCube, right? Mm, GameCube. That was okay. Yeah. So, uh, but... I would say this uh, Switch on the other hand to me like I mean the discussion I want to have about the Switch is like okay they're going to do the bundle thing where they're going to remaster the games which I'm a fan of but they still haven't made any real news about setting up a virtual console and playing classic games like stuff from the NES or SNES days and to me, in as a person, as a historian of video games and somebody who likes to preserve their stuff, is like this might be Nintendo basically going the route of like what Capcom is doing is like, okay, you don't want to play the classic Resident Evil 3. Here's a new version. Here's a remastered uh-huh. version. So it's like it justifies purchase because like both of us, as people who grew up during the 80s and who own Nintendo consoles, is like, yeah, we need another reason to buy Mario again. <laughs> yeah. Well, technically, if you have the Nintendo Online subscription where you can play online now, yet like the same uh, PSN subscription fee, you get to actually get free NES games you can play on your su- on your Switch. So that's basically the workaround for this generation. Technically, it's just basically okay. Here's a licensed version of ROM. Yes, that you if probably they say you had the license to <laughs> legally play a ROM. Yes, that you probably downloaded ten years ago. <laughs> yes, exactly. Not saying that we do that, but mm. yeah. But the homebrew community has been doing this for ages, and they will look at this news and be like, "Bitch, what? You know, <laughs> we made those ROMs." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check the You're hash. You're probably using my ROM right now. You know, <laughs> check the hash info files. That's my name. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, but yeah, uh, I don't know. When it comes to the business models of these companies, it's basically all of them pretty much are determined to either wow you with a super impressive graphics or super in like the like for Xbox is more like they're really pushing the games as a service model, which is oh yeah, with the Xbox uh, Game Pass, is it not is just it? that with the fact that maybe the new Series X will come without a drive. Ah right, so you have to rely more on the pass for your online downloading and whatnot not just and that. streaming streaming yeah future games will definitely not come from a storefront anymore there's yeah, a possibility like you're not gonna buy discs anymore that you're gonna stick into your machine most likely everything's gonna be just basically a virtual like an online storefront or something like Xbox Games Pass where it's like you can buy the game or you can pay a subscription and you can play all the games which I think is brilliant and also diabolical at the same time Yeah. whereas Sony I think because the strange thing about Sony for every console generation it was always a point to push some sort of technology like if you recall the first uh, PS1 was also kind of a CD player mm-hmm. and then for the PS2 like 
I still believe right more people bought that as a DVD player than as a games console when it first yeah. came out because it was the <laughs> cheapest DVD player you could own at that point of time yeah. and then like even with the next generation the PS3 was the cheapest Blu-ray player you could play at that time yeah among all the other companies yeah the PlayStation 3 was the one to beat it yeah. also played video games it's like would you want to buy a thousand dollar Bang & Olufsen or an LG DVD like Blu-ray player or you just get a PS3 <laughs> yeah that's like what 400 US or so at the time or about 700 and Asian dollars <laughs> yes <laughs> which actually will get cheaper over time with the discounts and whatnot. not because slim and everything through that and I yeah. think they have to do the stocking stuff uh, like the bumper first like the first quarter sales which makes sense so it's like when I'm speculating like the, the price point entries of these new consoles it's like I don't think Nintendo's gonna release any other console they're just gonna let these two the, the other two guys fight it out for the time being yeah, because, because they have uh, Breath of the Wild 2 and other Mario games to yes, worry about developing. Yes, because they're focusing on fucking games, which, which is what <laughs> gamers care about. Like, you can tell us how many teraflops this, like, GPU you have in. Like, yeah, what's what's it going to render? What's it, what are you going to play on this? Yeah. Ge- Gear 6. Look. <laughs> <It's> like, okay. <laughs> and we know that it's coming because, you know, we finished Part 5, so... <laughs> mm. Part 5 was okay. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, but... Yeah, uh, to me it feels like when it comes to the branding also, it's like for Xbox, it's like all they have is Master Chief, the Gear series, and literally like that's the, the thing. It's like, and what else do they have? You know what I mean? What can you look forward to? And, and you compare it to like say a Nintendo, it's like, sure, a Metroid, a Mario, a Zelda, you know, even a Donkey Kong is like, whoa. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah. They'll probably have a third Donkey Kong in the mix somewhere. Who yeah. knows? So like, and when you look at something like the Sony PlayStation, right? And like, there's also the, the reports currently where Sony are struggling to keep their console cheap. Yeah. Which is what I'm very worried about because I think it costs probably close to $400 just to assemble it. So we're not talking about uh, when you retail it and you have to consider like other things like packaging prices, transportation prices, or just... You know, putting it on a shelf somewhere is like that. That could po- this could possibly be the first thousand dollar console. Oh my god, that's Asian insane, dollars. Dude. I'm saying okay, Asian, Asian dollars. dollars. Okay, okay. Because it's right, like right. if it costs four hundred dollars just to make one, it's probably gonna be marked up to about five hundred, six hundred, which is yeah, insane yeah. in this day and age. So it's probably gonna be like a seven hundred USD console. It's gonna mark up to about a thousand dollars Asian. Yeah, that is very damning for Sony if it's true, considering that the PlayStation Four. When it came out, it was considered the cheapest current-gen console to get at the time. And I mean, it had next the gen, games. That's what yes. I say. Okay, mean, maybe after NAC. Yes, there were other games to get apart from NAC. So, yeah. It took, it took a while for the PS4 to also get its legs up. But Xbox One, it was like, what did it launch with? Sunset Overdrive? Who cared? No, no, no. It launched with... Uh, wow... <laughs> okay, that was actually a bunch of crap. I forgot. You know, <laughs> I was gonna say Crimson Dragon. And I realized no, that nope. wasn't a good game. That Forget wasn't it. A good okay. Game. Yeah. Well, you finally got Killer Instinct after a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Finally, finally. <laughs> it took you about a year to justify yes. your Xbox One. <laughs> yes. And by then, it's like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Too little, too late. Uh, unfortunately. I would say this. Uh, this is definitely the ba- the the last battle for the console mind space because I don't think a console will make sense after this anymore. In fact, I still am on the side of like, we shouldn't be releasing consoles anymore unless you do something totally, uh, I would say, not say gimmicky, but something totally distinct to your brand. Like the Switch is very much of an improved Wii U. I mean, mm-hmm. let's be super honest about it. It's like the Wii U and the Switch are basically uh, an extension of each other. Because it's like, people complain about the Wii U not having enough games. 
or like not having having enough battery life or justifying the fact that you're carrying this thing around, right? And then once they made it smaller, lighter, more compact, and you put a Zelda on it, something you can play on the train to work is like, okay, this is gonna make a billion dollars. And you it know, did. And it did. Yeah. <laughs> you're fine. Oh yeah. Never ever count on Nintendo. They always know how to print money. Yeah. When they, I mean, dude, they've already come across a bunch of failures like the GameCube and the Wii U. And the best part about them is they always bounce back up better than ever, usually. Mm. They do learn from their mistakes. I would say it's always... like What for what I appreciate about Nintendo is that they always pay attention to what gamers want. Yeah. Rather than like holding these gigantic, ridiculous spectacles where they're t- trying to tell, convince us what we want. It's like, you want teraflops? We give you the teraflops. It's like... Show me a game. Stop showing me all yeah. these spec sheets. Like nobody cares about this. Like, yeah, what, what I think we're gonna like, have to wait till June or so you for all I mean? that yeah. to come out. Like like the the Sony like press conference was basically why does this feel like a GDC like <laughs> event? You know like oh what you oh I me mean my... the PlayStation the five architecture reveal yeah because it is a GDC kind of presentation uh, which like this is the point where it's like okay. Uh, is there gonna be a new God of War? Is there gonna be anything we're gonna play on this s- speculated machine that you're gonna be releasing soon? Yeah, I think that that uh, presentation is fine. I mean, but it's the wrong market. It should have been more like a, don't advertise it as like a PlayStation Five reveal because when you want the reveal, you kind of need the products, the software to back it up per se. Yeah, and it's probably which will probably happen in January. I mean, sorry, in June or July or so. I, but it's going to be a weird time because right now with the pandemic going full swing, right? Nobody is going to be spending that kind of exorbitant amount of money. Like we're we're too busy trying to like buy food, survive, <laughs> yeah, and, to survive. And, and like a lot of people are pretty much unemployed as of now. Yeah. And then you're gonna push these kind of luxury products to us. It's like all right, you know, and like I said, like the switch is gonna be fine. Like if they're gonna adopt the model of like maybe beefing up their online presence with an online store or. You know, instead of, I mean, yeah, remastering the Mario games is a good business call. Why don't you just release the ones you already have? True that, true that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, we, 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 we still love them. So mm-hmm. let us play them. Okay? Yeah. Uh, so that's been our opening news segment. Uh, and speaking of uh, Bleeding Edge technology, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be talking about Bleeding Edge and an already out multiplayer game from the guys who brought you DMC Devil May Cry and, and Senua's um, Sacrifice and Enslaved uh, uh, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice and Enslaved Odyssey to the West mm-hmm. and uh, yeah so a uh, caveat here is that it's multiplayer only yeah. so if you're looking for a single player experience as grandiose as maybe uh, Enslaved or something as retrospective and personal as uh, Senua's Sacrifice or as you know cool and fun as DMC yeah no <laughs> It's definitely a product, I would think, is very off-brand for them because these guys are pretty much known for crafting very unique single-player experiences based around action and exploration. Well, they kind of got the action part kind of right because Mm. when you play... uh, Okay, Beating Edge is, uh, again, it's kind of tailored like a multiplayer game like your Dota 2s or your Overwatches with the characters Mm. you get to select. But when you're actually in the game itself, it plays more like a melee or range-based third-person action game with the perspectives and uh, time-sensitive tactile combat, real-time combat going on. Like when you play this, you're already playing something like, um, best example case, on Anarchy Reigns from Sega and Platinum back in the day. Yeah, that was definitely the closest comparison we can come up with. Uh, It does feel like 
those two games definitely share a similar genome but in essence i would say bleeding edge actually suffers from lack of content uh, and i think we need to be really honest about this because i think it's only eight characters as of now and four unlockable uh, eight ones. characters yeah yeah and i think you have like four five five dps characters no no mm. no uh Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I think it's about eleven or so characters, but mm. it's still pretty little for a multiplayer game. True that. So I mean, it does offer a significant amount of variety, but I think when it comes to the playstyle, like there's only so much you can do with. Uh, there's the ones where you button mash your melee attacks, and there's the ones where you need to charge up your range attacks. Oh and yeah. I yeah. would say the ultras are kind of cute too. Like especially like the witch doctor who puts you in the cage because that's always fun. <laughs> Though. Uh, I would say it is I would I would say it does feel a little bit out of place from the Ninja Theory brand but more so it just feels like okay they're probably trying to do something new and when this game was announced it was like, like a couple of years ago at E3 right uh, it was actually last year last if year. I remember bad, yeah, yeah last year they announced it and then people were like okay um Ninja Theory are going to do something a little different from Hellblade so there you go Mm. And we actually look forward to it. And there wasn't really much news apart from like a couple of uh, pro tips and some previews here and there. Mm. When the actual game came out, I mean, again, this is the problem with uh, Bleeding Edge. It's uh, you only got like, okay, you got two game modes. You've got like three maps that are out. And then I think there are a couple more that's supposed to come out. And 11 characters. For a multiplayer game that relies a lot on team composition, 11 is not the best number. You compare it to Overwatch, which came, which came out with uh, 26, I want to say 24 characters. Over 20, yeah. Over 20 characters. And then they started adding more and more after each month or so. so. And then each season brought a new like breed of tweaks and nerfs and buffs, which also kind of... like, like I think they were definitely paying attention to the meta. <laughs> but, I mean, it'd be unfair to compare Bleeding Edge to something like Overwatch, which has also matured over time and definitely gone through some highs and lows like you know everybody loves season 3 nobody really likes season 4 blah 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 yeah yeah people didn't mm. care much about the single player stuff but then when they had like Overwatch 2 some people were like apathetic or happy it's really hard to tell to be honest I mean like because it was a different kind of blizzard now yeah I mean like imagine like imagine Left 4 Dead single player what, what do you want to do it, it exists uh, it really it's depends. called Resident Evil <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> But some people actually do like some of the characters there. For Overwatch especially with all the cinematic trailers and whatnot that came out I mean, from you Blizzard. you gotta give it to Blizzard. They know how to package those trailers. Yeah, it's a marketing ploy to make you like that, those characters here and there. But it also opens up a floodgate for like, hey, let's have single player content in this super multiplayer game that we have. So mm, yeah. why not? It's not going to cost much of a budget. We're going to reuse most of the assets anyway. Yeah, Just come up with a story and it's done. I would also say like, they were pretty much also very lenient with the fans going crazy with the fan art and the, with the extended universes. And like, all right, you know. So I think, but also at the same time for Overwatch, this is a lot of kids' first FPS. Yeah, yeah. And I would say this latched onto a generation. It ride, it wrote a zeitgeist perfectly, and I think the problem we have with Bleeding Edge is that okay, it feels pale in comparison to the things that exist as well. Yeah, and even on its own merit, it's still fine. I mean, I'm not saying it's a terrible game because yeah, it does I have what to it admit, I, yeah, yeah, I had fun playing all the matches. I mean. You know, when you play team matches, it actually showcases that you need to have a proper team with a microphone, you mm. know, to communicate VO. Because, compared, okay, playing this with communication here and there, I get to actually have 
to line up in sync with my group when I was playing as a tank, a buttercup, or when I was playing Zero Cool, my favorite character in the game. Because I just like just staying back, hitting dudes, putting up a wall just to block people from coming in. Those are the fun times. Wait, you know my personality, who do I use? Uh, you're a ninja kind of guy. <laughs> Demon? Nope. I'm also oh, very okay. black metal, so I'm Nidhogg. Okay, Nidhogg, <laughs> Nidhogg. He's also fun to use too. He's always in your face. The, fi- the fire attacks he has actually does help against the tanks. No, I like his dash attack because if you do a combo and a person tries to escape it, you can still yep. dash it and like, uh, yes! put pressure on him. And if you have, yeah. a, good, if you have a smart healer on your ass, yep. like Nidhogg and a, and a good healer is actually pretty unstoppable. Because we that can is. definitely dance around a lot of the the FPS guys, but yeah, I mean, like, like I said, like that's the only strategy I I, I can come up with, mm-hmm. and it's like I would feel with a game like Bleeding Edge, it really needs to get more user data for it to improve. Now we also need to address the other elephant in the room: multiplayer is not working very well for a lot of people during the launch. Uh, there were definitely matchmaking uh, issues. And there was also, I don't know if it's worldwide, because we only can speak on behalf of Asia, it was very hard for me to find matches. I only managed to clock in about 20 matches, and that's over a, a period of like, it's been a week since the game was out. Uh, yeah, yeah. 20 matches is a pretty good indicator. I mean, a way to gauge everything more yeah. or less anyway. I actually did manage to come up to that count as well. Um, I was fighting mostly people around, yeah, mostly around uh, Asia, like Singapore, I don't know, surprisingly, there are some Malaysians and Filipinos playing this game too. But generally, I did connect to the US and the European players, and mm. the connection's not the best. There's definitely still like, what, 10 milliseconds of lag or 20 or so, but it's not unplayable. It's bearable, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, like, I think in Asia, this, I mean, if people have the, the Game Pass here in Asia, you'll definitely be bumping into them. Mm-hmm. And I think when it comes to a lot of multiplayer games, like the crowd comes in on the weekends. So it's like it's very hard for us to review this game because from Monday to Thursday, there's very little people in the servers. Unlike Overwatch where like since day one, and it's like you, you walk in on a Tuesday or Wednesday night, there's still guys playing. Yeah, you actually, you have problem if you have problems joining a you have competitive game joining actually. The server as compared to something like this where you just have problems like getting your lobby full. Yes. And I would say what Bleeding Edge needs to do is probably implement more tutorial stages or more practice stages or you can go old school and f- introduce bots just have bot matches because like uh, like another game we're going to review very soon uh, Resident Evil 3 which comes packed in with its own standalone multiplayer they do have a practice bot mode where you can practice so for me Bleeding Edge unfortunately like uh, one of the detrimental features is that you'll be spending a lot of time looking at the lobby screen waiting for something to happen yeah, and it's no fault of the developers. It's just basically maybe it didn't catch on, or maybe it's like you, you need to implement other gameplay features, and not necessarily like a robust single player feature, but more or less like that stuff for us to practice or do in the meantime. Yeah, yeah, more characters. I mean, keep the modes. Just add in more characters so mm. we can have the meta shaking up back and forth because. A character-based uh, multiplayer game like Dota 2, League of Legends, and Overwatch, they thrive because they have a lot of updates for different characters every three or four months or so. And you're going to piss off people, but you're going to make some people happy. So that's what you kind of need. Bleeding Edge, you're right. You actually are right in bringing this up because it needs the data. It needs to collect all these things, release the characters you want to release, have people advertise it heavily on uh, the Xbox Game Pass because it's available on that. It's on the front page of the Xbox Game Pass right now, if you think about it. 
even though that should still belong to Ori and the Will of the Wisps. <laughs> I want that game to do magnificent. I didn't want that game to sell even more copies. I was so in oh, love yes. with that thing. Okay, uh, but yeah, Bleeding Edge is definitely at a certain impasse when it comes to being able to thrive and mature. And also, I think maybe it's an untested developer. This is definitely Ninja Theory trying something new, trying something out of their wheelhouse. And I'm not saying that it was a failure. I'm just saying like the timing is not good. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They pro- they probably had to suffer a little bit because I think this game was delayed, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, was it was it in open beta a couple of times. They, mm. I don't think it was delayed. They never bothered mentioning the release date yet. Mm. So, yeah. Okay. So it was definitely, I don't know. I mean, our general consensus. I mean, I'll just speak on uh, for myself first, right? Uh, yeah. One of the things that I'm disappointed with is that for a company like Ninja Theory, who released one of the best DMCs all time, I keep saying that nobody believes me, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and also one of the most boring single player games I ever played, Sinnoh Sacrifice. It's like, eh. I, I won a few BAFTAs, so have you tried yeah. playing it? So, there, it's so there is something there, you know? So. Yeah, I mean, they're known for doing great work. And it's like, look, I don't know what it's going to take for... I mean, I would like their, them to reattempt DMC, but use their own branding or their own IP and character. Like, the gameplay yeah. is just so... It's obsidian smooth, <laughs> like, compared to... Uh, classic Devil May Cry games, okay, but especially when you play the sixty frames per second version, the PC version. God yeah. damn, man, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, so, Bleeding Edge, uh, I would say this, uh, not heavily recommended. But if you're on the Xbox Game Pass, give it a shot. Yeah, and, play uh, it on the on the pass. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's um, well designed and it needs a little bit more content because I would say it's very unfair for us to judge it and like we don't want to be harsh on this game because we're fans yeah. of Ninja Theory I think this might be a Sea of Thieves kind of case where when it when Sea of Thieves came out people were kind of apathetic towards it it was like okay mm. and then two years later everyone's kind of jumping on that ship so to speak because of all the new things like the single player mode the big ass multiplayer mode and all the other customizations you can do with your pirates and whatnot. Like they reshaped I think Rare did something really magical reshaping the entire game. So I think Bleeding Edge needs to be given that chance to one year or two year to expand. Maybe not necessarily a single player mode, but that would be nice. But maybe more tutorials, more like VR missions like a la mm. uh, Metal Gear Solid or whatnot, you know, do this yeah. with a group and that. Like these like objective based mini task missions, right? That you need to claim complete within a time frame or something. Like that would be yeah, or use a specific character as well to get a time attack mm. mode or something. Yeah, and I was like also like when you when you see games like this, right? And then when you have some of the cast being like locked out unless you hit a certain milestone and it's like we can't hit that milestone if nobody's playing this game. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I think also like it does come off as like you're paying so much for something that you wouldn't pay full price for. Actually, Unless that's about 30 US. This is not so bad. Mm. It's like you're it's paying for Overwatch. It's not so bad, right? But I would say, right, yeah, but you're not going to fight all the, the free-to-play clones that exist. Yeah. Like, would you play Your Bleeding Edge? Your competition is stacked. Yeah. You can play Bleeding Edge or there's this game called Warframe that's still going, which is probably Or one. in the same field, Dota 2, uh, Smites or mm. League of Legends that are still around to this day yeah. and free. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I think this is definitely... I don't know. I don't know if it's Ninja Theory experimenting with a new format or seeing what they can do within the multiplayer space. Like, maybe to them, that's the data they're gathering because who knows, maybe they do like DMC, like multiplayer version. Like, 
Imagine air comboing, which is what I was really looking forward to in Bleeding yeah, Edge. That'll and be you good. don't really yeah. quite get that because it's basically mash X until the guy runs away. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. You can parry, but you can actually get through most of the everybody's attacks with mm. teamwork and mashing. I mean, yeah, yeah. They need, you need you need to make it uh, not too intimidating for new players. You know what I mean? And I think maybe what Bleeding Edge is, is it's foundation for probably a bigger idea that they probably have to work towards. But we need to show them the support. So I'm definitely going to be playing this game every once in a while. Uh, especially between you know the, the, the long bouts of nothing I have to look forward to <laughs> during <laughs> yeah. this pandemic year. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I don't know. Uh, for me, it's, it's definitely give it a chance. Give it a try. Yeah. Yeah. Worth it, worth it. So your final rating for this, for now? For now, I would say good. (laughs) (laughs) Good, okay, we'll we'll go with that. We'll go with that. It's good. It's not great. It's good. Uh, Definitely, you know, give it a chance if you you have Xbox Games Pass, definitely. Uh, Speaking of uh, games that are uh, back again, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, games that come back from the dead, even though you want them to stay dead. We're going to be talking about uh, Resident Evil. Yes, three. So I'm pretty sure all our last game fans have been looking forward to this review because like it's, it's apparently this is the the year of the remake because we got a Doom sequel, we got a Resident Evil remake, we got a Final Fantasy remake. remake? I think there's going to be a Xenoblade remake also coming soon. Uh, yes, Xenoblade Chronicles <laughs> Definitive Edition. Same <laughs> game, it's using the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 engine and it looks uh, pretty good. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Same game with extra flavor, you know, just yes. a, a new coat of paint and still yeah. the same price. Like well, actually, there's, a, there's actually an epilogue uh, mission you get to play in this one, so mm. that's... That's the only new content I know la, so far. I mean, that's kind of bullshit. Like, imagine you buy a movie and like, oh, here's like 10 minutes of deleted scenes that we could fit in the <laughs> yes. game the first time. It's like, all right, <laughs> cool, I guess. Oh, man. And I think so, they're trying to go for the director's cut with this Xenoblade, you know, like how Blade <laughs> Runner was. Here's the shit that didn't make it past QC during the first yes. round. <laughs> we yeah. just slapped it on. It, it, it might break the game, but you know what? You, you want to get every dollar's worth, right? Uh, so like you know that's gonna be a, a very concurrent theme as I review Resident Evil 3 uh, first I need to ask you John are you a fan of Resident Evil 3 Nemesis the classic 1990 PlayStation game unfortunately I've only played it for about like 10-20 minutes before I jumped on to what came out at the time oh yeah Final Fantasy 8 at the time so <laughs> for yeah, me probably like, not yeah for me it was like Third Strike Third Strike came out around 99 so I was like alright uh, yes. you know I was kind of busy at the arcades and I was kind of busy playing, you know, a little known mod for this game called, you know, I'm sure you heard of Counter-Strike. Yes, yes. Counter-Strike <laughs> just dropped. Quake 3 was actually still around. So my time was very much split in many different ways. But yes, I was always a fan of the Resident Evil games. I love part one. I love part two. And we're talking about the original trilogy. Part three, I would say, is the red-headed stepchild of the original franchise. Many hardcore and diehard fans of Days of Yore complain that it's kind of short and it's not so much a survival horror more an action adventure game so you know what Capcom said you know we're gonna fix that let's try and maybe address the fact that Resident Evil 3 Nemesis kind of fell short compared to Resident Evil 1 and 2 so I mean right off the bat uh, if you're a fan of the Resident Evil games uh, yes it does hit those marks Okay, it's still kind of a jump at you, shit your pants, scary when it needs to be. If you enjoyed Resident Evil 2 Remake, you might be disappointed. 
because I think the first thing we need to address is the severe lack of content this game has. And I think it acknowledges it very much in the achievements because there is an achievement which uh, actually challenges you to try and beat the game in under two hours, which is not a good sign. <laughs> so when you first started playing this, like how long did it took you to finish it until... I clocked in three hours max and I played it on standard the first time and I was like I had a lot of expectations a lot of anticipation going into it especially how much I love Resident Evil 2 there was something that you could do to kind of uh, bridge the gap between like the classic Resident Evil games and Resident Evil 4 which took it to a totally new stratosphere uh, Resident Evil 3 was definitely I do agree with the early criticisms of the original game uh, that it was veering towards the action game too much but then you also have to consider the fact that you were competing with you know all sorts of like shooters back then, right? And I think I recall uh, the history of Resident Evil 3 where they had to follow this up within a year or a year and a half yeah, or something. They had a very quick turnover. Much yeah, like yeah. this game which came out a year to the date like Resident Evil 2 Remake came out. Uh, so that's never a good sign whenever they promise a game in a, in a year because you only have to look at the FIFA or Assassin's Creed series and say like, yeah, that never ever works out. You know, why don't you yeah. let the developers take their time? But then again, if you're a multi-million dollar publisher and this is a flagship brand, I mean, boys and girls, you have to understand, Resident Evil outsells Street Fighter. People yes. think Street Fighter is the premier Capcom flagship brand. No, it's not. No, it's Resident Evil. Resident Evil is their moneymaker. I like, think a, cl a close second is still Monster Hunter, but Resident Evil is still top dog. Yeah. I mean, consider this. The highest selling Resident Evil before uh, the remakes came out was Resident Evil 6 and that wasn't even a good RE game when you played it and everything. It definitely hit but it was more still a high-selling Resident Evil game. I would say, yeah, and that came amid a lot of controversy and a lot of uh, ridiculousness. I think it broke a million, right, on the first day, right? Yeah, it did. And then the reviews were like middling, you know, like seven, sixes or so. I mean, it's a fun action. It's a, it's a dumb fun action game. It's not so much a classic Resident Evil game because I think for the Resident Evil fans, they were very much disappointed by the fact that Res 4 was an almost near perfect horror action game mm -hmm. and then like okay we're, we're just gonna do we're just gonna make it Gears of War <laughs> yeah and the strange thing is it worked I mean the, those sales figures I think also it's uh, in part to Capcom's marketing because this was the era of I think the 360 and the PS3 right yep yep it was that era like Resident Evil 4 was like GameCube and still PlayStation much later Part yeah. 6 was when they actually went off the rails, but people still it buy the game the mercenary game. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. But I'm, I'm talking about like Part 5 and Part 6. Like They're part of that whole yes. degeneration. And like you know, you have to give props to Resident Evil for maintaining interest in the zombie genre before The Walking Dead ever did. It was definitely uh, George A. Romero's classic films. And then like when Resident Evil came out, it's like, hey, zombies are still fun and cool. It's like, you have to understand, this predates Left 4 Dead, you know? And then when The Walking Dead came out, it's like, oh, hey, zombies will never go away. And also, like, even this year, Korea's Kingdom, like, yep, zombies, still popular. We can never get if away from that. If you do it right, you make it fresh, people like watching these things. Yeah, or you can yeah. set it in medieval times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so back to the review. Sorry for the, for the tangent. Uh, yeah, I need to address the problems I had with Resident Evil 3, uh, the remake. Firstly, a lot of the original content does feel cut off and it's more attuned to the fact that I think the game was not necessarily cutting corners but trying to hit deadline. Uh, mm -hmm. Another thing that I kind of noticed that you know, it didn't really annoy me but I would say it does kind of diminish the experience was the blood and gore have been pretty much toned down and that's official. Uh, I heard about this rumour 
from a tweet like probably before the game was released and I thought like okay I'm not going to take that seriously because you know the, the best source is still me <laughs> yeah, asking yeah. fans <laughs> trust me I play this shit uh, yeah but it's true uh, you don't have the ability to kind of uh, dismember zombies as much as you did in part 2 because if you recall in part like Resident Evil 2 remake if you shot their arm off it comes off whereas in this one it's like oh okay they all they stay intact you, you, you just basically shoot them in the head till they fall down uh, if you do a very well placed headshot you do get the very satisfying their head popping open uh, but that's about it so like, it doesn't even leave like the, those like blood trails on the walls as much as it did in part in uh, Resident Evil 2 remake and I noticed that and I'm saying like okay it's not necessary for me to thoroughly enjoy this game but it felt like okay it's this game is probably n- taking a few steps back. There's some cuts that were done when they're trying mm. to rush this game out for its yeah, April release and date. And I say it's like, it's definitely polished, but it is also definitely, it feels, I wouldn't say it was cut, it was more, it's like more incomplete. Because there are entire sections from the classic game that I was really looking forward to in the HD remaster. Like, I was really looking forward to how they were going to go do the city hall section or the clock tower section. Okay, okay. Which are referenced in the game because you do have a fight in front of the clock tower and like, oh, we don't go in. <laughs> oh, okay. That <laughs> we're going to go cop-out somewhere then. else now. It's like, oh, but there's that thing that you probably recognize from back in the day. Other than that, the other real criticism is, um, I know it's a minor thing, but I don't like the new dialogue. It was kind of Is it cringy. like uh, oh cringy? So it's not corny. It's not uh, self-referential or they trying to lost like. I mean, okay, Resident Evil One, Two, and Three are not really that well known for amazing delivery of <laughs> performance and character. But you enjoy it per se because, because of the B movie quality. Uh, not just because it's a B movie, because. Back then, you knew it was just a fucking video game. It's like, yeah, this is as good as it gets. I'm fine with it as long as I get to shoot more and kill more things. Yeah. And like, I mean, I've mentioned several times in the Last King podcast, I'm not a fan of, of, of bad performance in video games because I'm already bombarded by bad performance in films. <laughs> it's like, I don't need this in all my entertainment. It's like, like I, th- I think we're fine. Like, there was a certain charm to Resident Evil 3's classic line delivery. You know, like, oh man, Jill Sandwich. It's like, yeah, that'll never work now. <laughs> and they've replaced it with... I mean, these guys are putting in their work. And it's uh, definitely... You can see the effort, but it just yeah, comes you're, off you're, as... You're not criticizing the quality. It's just more like the writing or I would say it, it, it's not. It doesn't feel out of place. In fact, it feels really in place. But there was something about the cheesy, corny dialogue from the 90s games that kind of relieved the tension a little bit if you think about it it's like you would play a, a, a stunning horror game and then you know like Carlos would try to flirt with you in his really cheesy voice and it's like okay like yeah that, that was a nice deflation of the situation whereas this one it doesn't escalate the situation but it kind of broke immersion for me <laughs> because especially when you meet the Nikolai character and he's like I'm a bad guy why? because I'm greedy he's like okay <laughs> Okay. <laughs> nice to know you have a motivation. <laughs> yeah. I guess. And then it's like, there was even this scene, right? Spoilers. Spoilers for a two-hour game. You, by the time you hear this, you've already seen it, okay? Yeah. Okay. But it's like, I mean, there, there is the classic uh, self-sacrifice of Mikhail in the, on the train scene. Mm-hmm. And literally, he's just like, oh, you're, the, you're Jill, the super cop. Uh, can't you recognize a stars member? And it's like, uh, okay, yeah. 
and you die in five, four, three, two, and he's gone. It's like, but at least Jill and uh, Carlos, they are fleshed out characters. I mean, they have personality in this version, right? Kinda. Okay, kinda. <laughs> I okay. guess. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, it's, it's like I don't feel for them. I, I, I did not tap into the emotional struggle of Jill Valentine trying to survive the apocalypse and same time save the city and same time try to get the vaccine and at the same time try to escape from the nemesis because like if you re- really think about it uh, Resident Evil 3 is uh, Dawn of the Dead plus Terminator you know what I mean yeah, like yeah. you felt for Sarah Connor at the end of Terminator 1 Jill Valentine is like yeah she's 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 tough I get it. Okay, that's it. <laughs> I get right. it. She's tough. But it's like, it's so weird because it's like, in the classic games, right, it's like, the nemesis appears and he will go like, stars, right? And then like, okay, Jill is just basically, oh no, and then she runs away. <laughs> now it's like, when the nemesis appears and then she's like, what the fuck? And she like, drops an <laughs> F-bomb. And it's like, huh? <laughs> I guess they're trying to modernize it. So. But you know what I mean? It's like it feels yeah, so yeah. cringe when it's like it feels like oh like thirteen year olds would appreciate this. It's like Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> the the whole thing where they're just trying too hard to modernize dialogue and it doesn't really come off as organic or whatnot. I really it just feels forced. I mean the lines are delivered well. I don't wanna blame the script writer. But whoever was in charge of adding the F-bombs or if the intention was to add F-bombs is like this has no place in a Resident Evil game. <laughs> you know what I mean and I would really love if like do you remember uh, that really terrible Typing of the Dead <laughs> oh yes Typing of the Dead yes and then there was this one spin-off where you played these uh, grindhouse characters if I'm not mistaken oh that's House of the Dead um, oh my bad House of the, the Dead the Wii the Wii um, I know which one you're talking about you know what I mean um, yes Overkill I think House of the Dead Overkill that was the one and they were yes like- it's like that when you talk about it I'll be like Hey, it's kind of like that black guy from House of the Dead Overkill. I was kind of looking forward to that. I mean, I did play Resident Evil 2 Remake and it felt like, okay, they reduced the cheesiness but they didn't up the cringeness. You know what I mean? It felt way better in Resident Evil 2 than in Resident Evil 3. So, I mean, yeah, I'm going on too much about something that is actually a minor nitpick for me. But Overall, it is worth bringing up because I think they're just going overboard with like how mm. they're remaking the dialogue, right? Per se. Yeah, and... I don't know. I mean, my biggest criticism is the fact that not only is the game shorter than I expected or anticipated, but also a lot of the elements from the original game seems to be missing, which mm. I wouldn't mind because like I didn't need to have any more fuck off battles with the spider. Yeah. You know, the oversized spider, as cute as it was, was kind of annoying. Or even those like rav- uh, like those ravenous crows that would attack you for no reason as they jump out of the bus, right? Uh, the dogs are still around though, so if you miss those motherfuckers, yeah, <laughs> they're there. Uh, I think you, you should bring up like the highlight enemy of the game, the nemesis. So it's definitely praiseworthy what they did with the character because in the original game, is basically a because if you played Resident Evil Three, he looks scary in the cutscenes. He didn't really look scary in the actual game because it's like. You were both occupying the same kind of uh, predetermined uh, space where you have to, like, you need to run around him, right? He can't be so big that you can't run past him. This one, he he will block your way. (laughs) He will get in your face. And he is two times larger than he needs to be. He is... Marvel versus Capcom's nemesis. <laughs> with the tentacles and the rocket launches and everything. Up to a thousand. is like, I love what they did with him. I mean, like, this new version of the nemesis and the way he maneuvers and the fact, like, just like Mr. X slowly walking towards you mm-hmm. and, like, that was terrifying then, right? Now imagine if he could run at you. Or no, jump. <laughs> yeah. You would think, okay, 
I just need to get away and I just need to get to this gate and I'll be fine. No. This motherfucker <laughs> will launch himself into the air when you have your back turned and the moment you reach the gate, he lands right in front between you and the gate. And I love that so much. I love the fact that the maneuverability of Nemesis is so much improved over the classic game. Because in the classic game, he's basically running after you and you can definitely run around him, like run around a table with him and definitely defeat him that way. Whereas in this one, it's like, oh, he seems proper unstoppable now. <laughs> I knew it was coming, but the moment he took out the bazooka, it's like, yeah. oh yeah, now I remember. <laughs> now <laughs> I remember why you fear him. Yeah. Like back then, you were kind of annoyed by him. You did fear him because it's like, yeah, he, he he could kill you so quickly. But right now, it's like when you look at him, it's like, jeez, when he like, if he ever manages to grab you and he brings you up to his face and you like look at it, it's like the detail they put into him. Yeah. Like, oh my god. It's like it's it's it, this is the nemesis I've always wanted. This is the terrifying, unstoppable force of nature or force of ill nature because he was built in a lab, who yeah. is only one purpose is to fucking kill you. <laughs> <laughs> he reminds you constantly. I mean, I also appreciate the fact that uh, Brad, which is like your other star survivor from like the, even he was around in the classic game, right? Yeah. It's like, I also like the, the he delivered the line we're the only two stars guys left and it's coming for us what's coming for us and when you finally meet him it's like oh it's like seeing an old friend yep <laughs> and, then, and there were moments to me I felt like you know what like remember how they like nerfed Darth Vader in the prequels and then like when you see him again in Rogue One like he's bigger and better he's than back. before yeah and it's like this is why he's terrifying and I was like this new nemesis was like yeah, he's not the the corny other character in Marvel versus Capcom. Oh no, this is I would say the best representation of Nemesis, and I thoroughly appreciated what they did with him and also with his evolution, because if you play the game, uh, he gets fiercer. Yeah, hands down, I guess the best thing about this game. I mean, if you definitely remember Resident Evil Three more for Nemesis than the actual bosses, or if he's he if he's one of your favorite characters, they did him right. <laughs> All right, good this to know. Good to this know. This is probably like you know, especially your your battles with him. Like when he start, yeah. When it, when 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 this bullshit overpowered zombie starts bringing out like a flamethrower, a rocket launcher, or he launches his technical, uh, his technicals, his tentacles, tentacles. Or when he goes into his third, fourth, and final forms. Like okay, I'm not gonna spoil anything about it, but then I would say it's not totally imaginative boss fights, but just seeing this creature get even more terrifying and even more unstoppable is definitely the height of the game, and I think maybe that's what propels a lot of people to beat this game so quickly <laughs> because it's like that that guy is after you. <laughs> yeah, you gotta find some way to Hot kill ass. him like, all the way to the end. Yes. How do you, how do you defeat him? Activate a cutscene. <laughs> that's the yes. only way to stop him. <laughs> <laughs> Is it enough to save the entire game? I mean, based on how you've but been criticizing it. Unfortunately, yeah, he does take up, v- he he does take up a lot of my positive review, but he doesn't appear as often as he should. For something so well designed and spectacular, they underutilize him. And I do understand that you need to spend more time, like you know, finding that lock pick or that, that wire cutter to get through that chain link fence. How about that time that Capcom mentioned that uh, Nemesis can actually enter in the save rooms that you have? Can he do that? No, he didn't do that. <laughs> that would have been totally unfair. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, if he can enter a safe room, no. <laughs> where where else am I going to go? Uh, but then again, the safe rooms are not designed to fit him. Hmm. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. But he's, but too he, big. he's definitely, he's not as random as he, f- he felt like in Resident Evil 3 Classic. He just feels like 
that's the mid-boss. That's the that's the transition to the next part of the game. Right, so when you right. saw the nemesis, it's like, okay, here's the boss fight and then like, we do the next thing. Uh, uh, well, and I mean, that's about it. I mean, the other positives I have is definitely, yeah, Im- whatever I liked about Resident Evil 2 is present here. Improved gameplay, improved controls, improved graphics. Oh, and uh, Jill also has that like uh, dodge attack, if I recall, where mm. you can trigger like that slow down or whatnot extremely useful so if you play games like Bayonetta right where if you know how to perfectly dodge an attack so like say you're facing up against Nemesis and he throws a tentacle at you and that tentacle when it when it touches you it's an instant grab and then like basically you're gonna lose half your life or even get auto killed if you played in hard mm. you need to dodge that perfectly so uh, for me it's not only essential to the game but it adds a whole new dynamic because it enters this slowdown mode, especially when you meet those ugly, th- those gigantic fish things in the sewer, mm, which are right, kind right. of horrifying the first time you see them because they just, with no sound cue, whatever, they just emerge like from a sewer hole and then like it just starts walking towards you. And it's like, there's a huge mouth with legs walking towards me, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it has this annoying lunge attack, you know, or even when you fight much later when you enter the hospital stage and you meet the lickers. Mm. Which is basically, if you recall, the the zombies with the huge claws that could like run on walls. You know, like, okay, you need to dodge that shit all the time. And and they do telegraph their moves enough for you to get used to the timing. Alright, alright. So when you do that, it enters that slowdown mode. And that's the perfect time for you to aim properly and plug that perfect shotgun run into their face. Okay, so it does add a very interesting, like, it's, it's very similar to Bayonetta when she enters witch mode. Or like, you know, it, when it slows down time and it definitely is a time for you to... Like, I think what the game does is instead of relying on just plugging them full of bullets, what you really need to do is sidestep and dodge and dodge perfectly so you can get perfect shots all the time. Yeah, make that one shot count, right? Yeah, yeah. and I, th- I think I would say... I mean, that's an, that's an element of fun that I personally enjoy. Something that definitely challenges my reflexes and my ability to adapt to situations. If anything, um, yeah, I mean, that's definitely a major, I wouldn't say an improvement, but a, a welcome addition to the franchise. If only there were more opportunities to practice it. <laughs> that's <laughs> okay. all I'm saying. Because, right. like, one thing that I think could have improved this game is, like, if you kill the zombie, hmm? they don't just disappear or die. I would like for them to kind of, you know, randomly spawn rather than, like, you do have this sense of, when you play the game, and the thing is, you'll be playing this game multiple times if you want to get all the achievements, right? Or if you want to do the speed run. Once you memorize where they pop up, it becomes less scary. They really need to make the zombies appear random or make them kind of jump at you or don't have them spawn at the same place over and over again. I think they need to do what they did for RE2 because I remember some zombies spawning randomly from the windows or in the police station when you open up the door the second or the third time. Mm. In those moments. I don't know know, because the thing is I haven't played it on hard yet. So, And what I understand from hard is like I think they changed not only the amount of zombies that spawn but also their... uh, their endurance, like it, t- it takes a while to take them down, and that's mm-hmm. definitely going to be on my final playthrough of the game because right now I'm trying to work towards practicing that speed run. Ah, uh, right. Uh, but there's nothing else much to complain about other than the fact that this game is way too short that it needs to be. And if you're oh, a fan and of the price tag too. This game is a full price game. Now, I think John, what you don't realize is that it comes free with a multiplayer game. <laughs> okay. That we didn't ask for, but I felt that maybe this is Capcom's way of 
compromising with possibly bad review scores or the fact Perhaps. that people are going to complain that this game is way too short for it to be a full price game and it's even more adorable that on the Steam page it's like oh this game also comes packed in remember you own this game also as if to remind <laughs> you like you got a deal you got two for the price of one so yeah so I'm how s- is the multiplayer mode so uh, Resident, Resident Evil, Evil Resistance is very similar to games like Resident Evil Outbreak and it was very forgettable <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't know I mean I'm not a fan of these kind of games where it's basically it's basically an escape room where you either play as the survivors trying to escape or you play as the mastermind who lays mm-hmm. traps out and it's always kind of fun to drop in a nemesis during like a match yep. just to see like you know you can even drop in Mr. X because it's like the entire menagerie of zombies and monsters from the Resident Evil games are at your disposal mm-hmm. and it uses this weird cart system which has its own auto cooldown so it's like when you activate one thing like maybe uh, you have a, a floor zombie who grabs their legs right and then it has to go to a cooldown then you can go to another room and it does something that is very reminiscent of classic Resident Evil because as a mastermind you can only view the maps through the security cameras so you have that fixed perspective classic Resident Evil vibe Oh, okay, okay. So that was a bit of a throwback. It's like, oh yeah, I remember when I used to play this game like this. But now I'm putting zombies instead of trying to escape these rooms. Mm-hmm. But as a survivor, like if you find the right amount of people, like yeah, you can just definitely like bomb rush your way through any objective or any... I would say it's fun to play as the mastermind, but you definitely have more options to win as a survivor. Uh, the game doesn't feel balanced, but I wouldn't really be uh, hanging my words onto that because... Uh, I didn't clock in as much hours as I should because it was very hard for me to find any multiplayer games. Same problem here with Bleeding Edge. I'm basically waiting for matches to start. And People, you, basically. Yeah. yeah, and you need your four by one. So it's like, even if two or three guys join, right, unless somebody, unless you get all five people in, right, matches don't start. Or they don't have miss- bot. They, they don't have bot support, lah. In other words, I mean, they do have a practice mode where they definitely activate bots, so you can play as a mastermind or as, as survivors. And I appreciate that, which is something I said mentioned earlier, should be included in Bleeding Edge, like an opportunity for people to be able to play this with AI, so they can just practice their moves if there is no like you know nobody joining the multiplayer games. Uh, but nah, not even for the the free add-on game, and it's it's. Pr- it's definitely marketed as a standalone product that you got free with Resident <laughs> Evil. It doesn't feel like here's the Resident Evil 3 multiplayer. It's like we gave you two games for free. Yeah. You know, and you can imagine like, you know, the the, the twinkling in the teeth as they smile at you like uh, yeah, no. Like the used car salesman smile, right? And like, yeah. And I was like, you know, are you trying to guilt me into giving this a good review? <laughs> what are you trying to do? It's like, yeah. "Hey, we're Capcom." We never give two games for the price of one. <laughs> and then in my mind, I, w- I was like thinking, so this is a $60, $70 game. Why don't you just sell Resident Evil 3 as a $30 game? You can't do that. Are you insane? <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it does definitely feel like a compromise from the package in the standalone multiplayer experience that I didn't really care for. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's fine. It's not great. Uh, I mean... But I'm the wrong guy to ask because I'm not a fan of these kind of uh, I don't know these kind of multiplayer modes where it's like you know this asymmetrical 1v4 and you did mention before we did the podcast so we started that um, that left for dead mode the one where you're the director or the chairman yeah, that yeah. also exists too so there you, you go do that, 
this is not the reason to buy Resident Evil 3 even though it comes in package but I do understand that this is definitely Capcom's way of kind of semi-sweetening the deal in order mm-hmm. to not make the bitter taste of a full price game that you can beat in under 2 hours technically yes you know <laughs> and I would say this right I think the, the the positive thing about Resident Evil 3 remake is that you need to look at it as not a part of the other games like how the original Resident Evil 3 Nemesis was this game is definitely paying tribute to its more arcadey roots because the best thing about beating the game is that it unlocks mercenary mode so what it does is like you have all your items that you can buy with all the points that you earn from playing these games and it encourages you to find new and like different ways to play the game and like the first thing you're gonna buy is definitely the, that inventory that hip pouch <laughs> extension mm-hmm. because yep you, you're gonna definitely be still juggling with the should I keep all my herbs or should I keep all my sprays or should I combine all my red ones now like that is still part of the, the the focus of gameplay, and yeah, you know, I mean, you got cool little cosmetic items like you can get like the uh, Jill in her uh, stars uh, police uniform. Oh and yeah, then, like in uh, the first game, right? The stars uniform. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like oh, there she is. Uh, I mean, like I got a the, a pre-order version, so I got for free the Jill Valentine classic mode, which is tube top and mini shorts. Ah, yes, yes. Right, right. Uh, aside from that, uh, I am definitely going to be replaying this game because I think for me, and for me as a gamer, I'm more of a challenge hit. I do appreciate the fact that they give me more opportunities for attempting these games in different ways. But also as a fan of the series, I am slightly disappointed with the fact that it does fall short of what was expected. And I have to be honest, I was really expecting like them to top not just only the classic games or Resident Evil 4. They needed to top Resident Evil 2 Remake. Which So, so far, that seems to be like the apex of the Resident Evil games. Of, so the, far. New, of the new... No, the apex is the 4. New, the, the new generation, yeah. Okay, you're right. Part 4 is still the best. 4 yeah. is the best one, followed by 7, and then probably Resident Evil 2 Remake. Like Those are the top 3 now. In fact, I would equate Resident Evil 3 Remake to probably uh, the third Resident Evil movie. It was good, but you don't remember why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Was it because of the guns? Was it because of Mila Jovovich? Or how they adapted the script and everything? I don't know. I mean, like, if you think about it, right, those movies are the highest grossing video game movies of all time. Like, yeah, people... when you count the entire series, I think they make more bank than Capcom ever realized. I think and I'm also they realize, which is why they keep allowing the license to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and don't forget, um, the first Street Fighter movie it was terrible to critics, but it's still making money for Capcom from 1994 all the way till maybe 2014, 15 or so because of the home releases and the streaming and whatnot. No, because it's it, it definitely works on a it's so bad it's good kind of movie. <laughs> yes, exactly. Which is every Resident Evil movie after two yep. <laughs> because one actually tried yeah, yeah I, I did like that laser trap thing they did with uh, they took from um, that other Canadian horror movie The Cube The Cube mm-hmm. that was yeah. pretty cool Resident Evil the film franchise and the games are very much aware of what their branding is uh, it's very bipolar in what it wants to be it wants to be fun and action packed because if you look at the history of Resident Evil games there's a whole subsection where it's all about action and combat and gunplay and then there's another whole subsection where it's about rediscovering their, their true identity yeah Be- the survival horror roots or so yeah, which I think 7 was the spectacular return to form that we all wanted like yeah. there's a section in Resident Evil 3 Remake which is during the start so it's not a spoiler where you're in Jill's apartment and it's first person mm-hmm. and I thought this is what it's going to be like. It's going to be first person all the way. Yes. And then, oh, okay, it's just a dream. It's just a nightmare. And you wake up. Oh, okay, no, it's third person. Like, oh. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's doing well for itself. I mean, even if people don't buy this Resident Evil 3 remake, it's still going to f- go on do just fine because there are so many rumors about an 8 Resident Evil game coming out next year. Oh, it has and, to be. Yeah. You have to definitely follow up 7 because we are definitely seeing we want another first-person Resident Evil game because where else can you go with that? Uh, I mean, okay, I'm going to say this, right? Resident Evil 3 remake is a not must buy but if I know Capcom's game plan and their business model and I hope they did what they did with Resident Evil 5 and with Resident Evil 6 where they just spammed us with DLC and content <laughs> yeah yeah you know what I mean like okay different ways to play stuff to unlock but Capcom I'm begging you I want DLC missions bring back the clock tower bring black because the thing is the game is told in a non-linear way where it mm-hmm. fades to black and then we now follow Carlos and it fades back to black and then we now f- follow Jill. It's like, you can definitely segue like the, the City Hall section or the Clock Tower section back into this game. Like some free DLC to justify you paying like maybe 60 I mean, US not to for the satiate game. the fans, but definitely if you're going to go the arcade route and make it a speedrunner's uh, dream, right? Put in some actual race maps. You know what I mean? Like definitely, okay, beat this beat this level in five ten minutes, and then just have a whole subsection of that, like how you mentioned, like uh those those hollow maps from uh the Metal Gear series. Oh yes, yes, the, the, yeah, VR, the VR maps. Yeah, yeah. It's like do that. It's like this is a perfect opportunity because the way this game is designed, and the way you play this game, right? It's definitely something which uh benefits people who not only think and act fast but react fast, but uh. I mean, it's a new way to play because it's definitely not paying attention to its horror, survival horror roots. It's more of the arcade action game that the original Nemesis was pretty much also leaning in on. So it's like, give me more stuff to shoot at. Give me more stuff to kill. <laughs> yeah. I would say like, you know, I mean, Capcom is not one to not release a ridiculous amount of DLC. Just look at the Street Fighter like costume packs. It's like... <laughs> That's that's more than enough to you know support the game we, for God yeah, knows how long. Do we really need to see what Blanca looks like in Explorer's outfit? No. Not just that. That's like I think Chun Li and Cammy get the most costumes. I think for every one character that gets one new costume, Chun Li gets five. It's first crazy. Dude. Fighting games, okay? Exactly. You hail, hail to the queen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, on that note, I would say this: uh, Resident Evil Three is not heavily recommended but if you're a fan of Resident Evil 2 Remake you will be a bit disappointed but if it's something that you are keen to buy and purchase I would say wait for sale wait for sale but definitely if you have the opportunity to play this game you should because it is um, it's a step in the right direction but unfortunately it's not enough to garner an official purchase especially like for me and like I really enjoyed playing this game but I cannot honestly recommend people getting it because I do feel that people might get a bit shortchanged so uh, I would say it's like it's a very specific taste so Last King fans uh, Resident Evil 3 definitely you know like it's a it's a it's a B minus to a C plus I think definitely. you have to set your expectations in the right yeah. way you know you will definitely be disappointed especially if you're coming off Resident Evil 2 Remake or if you want to see like the classic Nemesis Resident Evil 3 Nemesis expanded you won't get that you get actually less of the of, of Nemesis than you you'll be hoping for yeah. So yeah. Let's say he did, he did make quite an impact but not the kind of impact you want especially mm. when compared to the old 
part 3. So if you have nothing else to play, there's another remake coming down the pipeline which we can't wait to talk about. So tune in next week when your friends here at The Last King will be reviewing Final Fantasy 7 Remake actual title episode 1, right? <laughs> uh, no, no, it's just the title. That is the title you mentioned. FF7 Remake. That's it. I you know. know. I mean, I see a continuing theme of like, if you're expecting a full game... <laughs> Well, we can we can talk about that next week. Okay, that's so for sure. Tune in, Last King fans, when we finally reveal the most anticipated game of the last thirty years. I guess <laughs> everybody's yes. talking about this. And here's the strange things: all my friends who are looking forward to this game never played the original Final Fantasy. Why am <laughs> that's I not how, surprised? That's how strong. That's how strong the brand is, man. It's crazy. Oh, I can't like wait this... till Final Fantasy VII remake. Have you played the original ones? No. Nope. But I heard it's good. It's like it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's one of my favorite games of all time, but not because it's a good game. It was the first game on a CD that was like, whoa, <laughs> audio, visuals, and everything. 3D yeah. polygons. Oh my god, shadows, yeah. <laughs> pre-rendered cutscenes. Yeah, we, we should temper this for yeah later on. So <laughs> you know what's on that note, uh, no, no, but what? this is what's gonna happen. We're gonna take the Resident Evil Three remake uh, po- uh, review, and we just. Edit Resident Evil 3 with Final Fantasy. (laughs) (laughs) It is the exact same thing. (laughs) Spoilers for a review that we're going to do about a game that was in the making for the last 20 years. That was promised like three times. That's been delayed four times. (laughs) Remember when this was supposed to come on PS3? (laughs) Oh yeah, that was was a while back. (laughs) Even Team Ico managed to push out The Last Guardian before Final (laughs) Fantasy 7 Remake. Crazy. So, uh, what, what, what a crazy time we live in, 2020. Cra- yeah, you know, as the apocalypse with Final Fantasy VII remake finally <laughs> exactly. drops. Exactly. <laughs> you know, as the <laughs> other world when they finally release Final Fantasy VII, <laughs> because this is definitely the final one. <laughs> this has been your host, uh, <laughs> Nemesis Stars Shopping. I don't know. And uh, this has been Zombie Bait. This is Toffee signing out. <laughs> <laughs>